You're now listening to Primetime with Charles Reese, presented by the Bros You Think Network. Enjoy. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Primetime Podcast. My name is Charles Reese, your host. And today we are breaking down and previewing the LSU versus Texas matchup as LSU gets set to head to Austin and take on the Texas Longhorns at 6.30 p.m. over on ABC. College game day is there. It is a top 10 matchup as LSU comes in at number six uh, facing Texas, who comes in at number nine. To break down this matchup from the Texas side, uh, we will be joined by Taylor Estes of Horns247. And then we will be joined by Josh Samoyne after to break it down from the LSU side. But let's get into the interview. I'd like to welcome our guest today as Taylor Estes, managing editor over at Horns247, is joining us today to talk about this LSU-Texas matchup from the Texas side. Taylor, how are you doing this evening? I'm I'm doing great, Charles. How are you doing? Doing good. Look, it's a matchup that... I think if we looked at it last year, we wouldn't expect the type of fireworks that could be happening. I know you've been looking at LSU's offense. We've been looking at it, and and we're kind of amazed. We've been waiting years for this to happen. But you're kind of used to these offenses in the Big 12. Do you think that serves as an advantage to the Texas defense? I mean, I, I do think it probably does to a certain extent. Um, what I do, what I feel that LSU has to its advantage is almost the unknown at this point with uh, bringing in their new pass game coordinator. I mean, obviously, you saw what Joe Burrow and what the LSU offense was able to do against uh, Georgia Southern to start this year. But the reality is, you know, I mean, it's an FCS team, and I, I would imagine that they probably held some back of what they're going to be doing this week when they face Texas. But yeah, you know, I do think that the the Texas defense, while, you know, I'm still kind of trying to familiarize myself with what type of offense LSU is going to be bringing each and every week this year. But if you look look at just kind of the basis of it, it does kind of resemble a big 12 offense with, you know, spreading the ball around kind of that hurry up and um, a little bit more of the spread offensive scheme. So while I do think that the Texas defense is more familiar with that type of um, offensive attack, the unknown is something that they're going to really just have to be ready to adjust to once game uh, kick off, once the game kicks off. Well, in today in uh, Coach's press conference today, he talked about how the strength of de- the defense for Texas is that linebacking core and their safeties, and he expects to see a lot of blitzing. Do you think that Texas is going to be sending a lot of guys uh, in this LSU game, or do you think they're going to play more coverage seeing that Burrow was getting the ball out pretty fast this past weekend? I mean, I would imagine you see a little bit of both. It's kind of what Todd Orlando and uh, the Texas defensive coaches have kind of put together throughout their time since they arrived. But one thing that is really interesting that Texas has been installing for this season is, you know, while like there are some solid linebackers, the soft for Joseph Osai, you know, he is, in my opinion, probably one of the best athletes that Texas has on his defense um, and probably one of the best linebackers they've had in a number of years uh, on the 40 acres here. But I will say that the defensive back talent, the, sec- the talent in the secondary is probably the most I have ever seen in um, my now eight year, eight seasons covering the Texas Longhorns. I mean, the Longhorns have so many um, really, really talented, speedy guys in the secondary. And there have 
in the first game of the year, you know, all, all offseason we heard about there's a possibility where there could be some packages on defense where there are eight defensive backs on the field. And um, if you watch the Texas LA Tech game, that package made its debut against uh, the Bulldogs there. And just seeing that amount of speed in the secondary, I think, I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, I know everyone likes to talk about the whole DBU thing and LSU 100% of my mind has kind of staked that claim in recent years. But what built Texas into even having a, you know, a, a claim in that conversation is that type of speedy secondary, the, those guys that can kind of play at each position and are so versatile. They're such, you know, they're so fast and they're very athletic. And I think that's what Texas has at its disposal this um, season. So I would not be surprised if you see Texas having a number of times on defense where you're going to look at the numbers and be like, wait a minute, there's only three people on the field that are not um, defensive backs. So it's, it's an interesting uh, little wrinkle that Texas has kind of added to it. But, you know, I do, I do agree with Coach Orgeron that the secondary is probably the most talented unit that Texas has on its roster, probably on both sides of the ball aside from maybe quarterback, but um, just like the depth, the numbers, the speed is really going to be something that Texas is going to have to rely on. Yeah, eight defensive backs at one time is kind of crazy to wrap my mind around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and seeing it, I mean, when I saw it for the first time, you know, I went back and rewatched it because I was in the press box, and sometimes, you know, you don't really see every angle that you will if you watch it from a game broadcast. So I went back and watched the game broadcast, and I couldn't help but laugh about it. It was just like, oh, my Gosh, like I don't even know how you cover that because they're sending blitzes from all different sides of the field. And, you know, you can almost see the panic on Louisiana Tech's offense once they snapped the ball when they saw what type of defense was coming to them. You know, my my uh, father-in-law is actually a longtime uh, high school football coach. He was a defensive coordinator. He was a head football coach in the state of Texas. And but his specialty was on defense. And he called me yesterday and he was like, man, I got to be honest seeing that eight defensive back package, that was awesome. He's like, that was so good. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's something that it's, it's an exciting thing that people who watched the Texas defense this year can kind of keep an eye out on. And let's be honest, Texas has not had the greatest defenses in recent years. So there being even the type of talk like that they might be able to match up against an SEC team and, and against some, you know, a really like solid quarterback like Joe Burrow is something that has not necessarily been the case in recent years. So I think that's something that, you know, you're going to see in this game. Well, switching sides to the other side of the ball, I think we all know Sam Ellinger is is one of the better quarterbacks in CFB right now. As someone that covers the team, what makes him so special? You know, I think the thing with, with Sam is, while I almost feel like he kind of has maybe a public persona of being cocky because of what he said after the Sugar Bowl win over Georgia when he took the mic and said, we're back. You know, I think that some people took that the wrong way and it rubbed people the wrong way. But the thing with Sam is he is just kind of one of those guys that's always been a little bit of the underdog in a sense. You know, he wasn't a super, you know, um, sought after prospect as a high school recruit. Now, a lot of that probably had to do with the fact that once he got the offer from his hometown team at Texas, which he grew up, you know, going to games every single Saturday, I think everyone knew he was not going to back off of that commitment. But still, you know, he wasn't a top, you know, he wasn't a five star. He was probably, I think he was around like a mid four star level quarterback. Um, and then just like in general, you know, everyone kind of looks at him as almost like a one trick pony with, oh, all he does is run the ball. So, in a sense, I almost feel like that 
underdog mentality that he has is really what makes him special because he really wants to prove himself and not just to people, you know, that doubt him, but just prove to himself that he's able to do this. Um, if you talk to his high school coach, Todd Dodge here um, in Austin, he'll be the first to say that, you know, Sam is a type of player where if he makes mistakes in games, it's very rare that that type of mistake is going to continue season after season because he is such a perfectionist and wants to be doing things right all the time. So I think that just his diligence, you know, he's a, he's from the minute he stepped on campus, honestly, he was already kind of like that alpha dog, um, had that type of persona in the locker room, which is really rare for a freshman, let alone, you know, an underclassman in general, let alone a true freshman coming in. But I think that, you know, everyone is really, he's the type of guy that people want to follow. And I feel like you see that on this Texas team, both on offense and defense and just his mentality of, you know, wanting to prove himself and everyone that he's able to be one of the best is something that really is um, been working in his benefit and the benefit of Texas right now. Well, it seems like the injury bug has hit that running back room with the injuries at running back. Does that affect Texas's offense in this game or, or do you see them having a good balance against LSU? You know, I think it's, it's almost has to affect it at this point. I mean, right now, you know, Texas entered when they started the year 2019, they expected to have five scholarship running backs on um, their roster for the 2019 season. Well, uh, their one lone uh, running back signing from the 2019 class, Darian Brown, he's out for the year after he had a stroke earlier this year. He's actually enrolled at Texas, which has been a miracle that he's able to recover that much. But, you know, his he's absolutely not an option. And then they've had injuries to the three backups of Keonta Ingram. So currently Texas is entering this game Saturday with sophomore running back Keonta Ingram, who has been a solid option for Texas. Um, you know, his freshman year he was, and then, you know, I think that he has the opportunity to really take that next step as a sophomore, but his backup now is true freshman quarterback turn running back Roshan Johnson. And then, and the third string is true freshman linebacker turned running back David Benda. So really, there's not a single other scholarship player who can play running back right now except for Keontae Ingram. So they're having to take guys, you know, a quarterback away from his position and then a linebacker on, you know, to play and running back. And from what I've heard, David Benda did not see a ton of running back reps in high school. So <laughs> um, I think that that it's obviously, you know, entering this game. Keontae Ingram, I can't recall a time where he has had more than 15 carries in a game. So, you know, I would imagine that his workload is going to increase significantly. But the one thing I, I will be surprised if you don't see is more of Sam Ellinger running the ball, um, you know, against Louisiana Tech. You know, I think Texas is almost in a sense playing with Ellinger, almost like with kid gloves right now, because his backup is a redshirt freshman who has not really seen much um, playing time at all and just has some development that he needs to go through. So, so I think the staff really wanted to avoid using Ellinger too much in the run game to avoid, you know, potential injury, but they're going to have to, I feel like at this point, because I mean, let's be honest, if a guy hasn't, you know, had more than, even if it was 20 carries and he's being asked to carry the ball 30 sometimes, that could lead to more injuries at that, at that position. And Texas absolutely cannot afford to lose another running back. So, you know, I would, I would imagine that this is definitely a concern, but I would be really, really shocked if you don't see more of a quarterback design run plays um, compared to what Texas had against Louisiana Tech. 
Well, keeping that in mind, knowing that Texas is going to have to pass the ball a lot, I'm looking at some of y'all's receivers, like Colin Johnson at 6'6", and John uh, Burt at 6'3". Y'all have tall receivers, and I've seen a couple of people go to that as possibly being an advantage against LSU and, you know, the famous DBU monster they bring in. Do you see that as being a place that Texas can take advantage in this game? You know, I, I do believe that. Texas, with the the size and the length of their receivers, I do believe that it's going to be an advantage over any secondary. I mean, when you have a guy, you know, Colin Johnson, um, I believe, I'm not sure if they have him listed as 6'6", but I think he's 6'6", and I'm telling you, like, that is not a roster, you know, like, let's uh, bump it up a few inches type of thing. Like, that's an actual, like, combine type of measurement where he is legitimately 6'6", and he, I mean, that against, you know, a corner who may not even be six feet tall, you're always going to have an advantage. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily only against LSU. I think that the Longhorn size at receiver is what they have an advantage for the remainder of the season. I felt like that they had that last season as well with both Colin Johnson and then the uh, running back, or excuse me, the slot receiver, Lil Jordan Humphrey, who was a six foot four and a half slot receiver. <laughs> so, you know, I think that Um, It's always going to be an advantage, but the one thing that I do think is kind of overlooked a little bit with Texas right now is they also have a lot of speed at receiver, and um, their senior receiver who's going to be the starting slot receiver, Devin DuVernay, he's one of the fastest team, and he probably has the best hands on the team, too, so you know, entering this this game, I think a lot of people are always going to be concerned about the running backs. But if you look at that list of receivers that Texas has on its roster, I mean, it's hard not to probably think, okay, well, if they can't run the ball, somebody on this receiving core is going to be able to make plays, um, you know, in the passing game or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I I think that the size advantage is obviously going to be one too, but, um, you know, don't overlook the speed that Texas also has their receiver. Well, I saw your tweet from uh, last week's game where you talked about the student section filling up early, which was something that you hadn't seen a lot in recent years. What's the excitement like for Texas as Tom Herman is getting this program in the right direction? You know, I feel like it's an entirely different um, atmosphere and vibe around these parts, honestly. You know, I think that the, you know, to be honest, though, Texas football was so down for so many years. I feel like any sign of even progress, Texas fans are just like soaking it in. So having a season like 2018 where they won 10 games and, and, you know, upset Georgia, really stacked Georgia team, you know, in prime time for all of college football to watch, I feel like people really got their excitement going, even though, you know, they already were excited with that. But with this year, you know, I think that the expectations are as high as they've been in these parts in probably about a decade. But, you know, as long as... I mean, my goodness, I don't even know how I could say this, but as long as there are no more injuries at running back and Sam Ellinger can stay healthy, I think that that um, you know people should the excitement is going to continue for Texas because I could see them kind of taking that next step. And you know, I'm not saying that this year is going to be the year where they're going to be a national contender or anything like that, but I think you kind of see if you've been watching Texas closely, you kind of see the ball is in motion and things are kind of starting to go in that direction and. You know, and you have to give credit to Tom Herman and his staff for really just kind of instilling this culture of, you know, toughness that Texas really did not have for a number of years and um, discipline. And you're starting to see the results on the field. And I think the players are starting to see that. So usually from my experience, when the team starts to actually believe it, you know, they can say 
publicly all they want that they're bought in or whatever to a new coaching staff. But I think it took a little bit of time for for Texas to finally see those results on the field play out. And so I think that once they notice that, that's when things start going really well for the Longhorns. I think that's going to probably continue. And with that, the excitement surrounding them, both with students or fans or whoever is watching, is going to also continue. Well, before I ask you how you're feeling this game's going, there's going to be a ton of people from Louisiana coming to this game. Most of them I don't think are going to be buying a ticket, but will be in Austin. So where are a couple places people can be going for this game? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so if people are looking for a like, pregame type of tailgate scene, uh, Texas has – they just started doing this last season, but they have this whole – um, basically tailgate set up outside of the stadium. It's called Bevo Boulevard where they have multiple different, you know, Austin's a big like food truck type of place and things like that. It's very centralized around the city of Austin with um, local food trucks and, you know, um, beverage carts and everything. But in addition to just, you know, Bevo Boulevard area, Area. They also have um, pregame concerts for Longhorn City Limits is what it's called. So prior to the game, there will be live music playing outside of the stadium, like right outside the gates. And uh, they also this year have brought a little bit of the State Fair of Texas vibe from the Cotton Bowl into Austin with a carnival type of setup. It's called Smokey's Midway, which is, you know, they wanted to kind of have that State Fair vibe um, in their game day. And so. Oh, they brought that too. So honestly, I mean, if you're looking before the game, just head over to the campus because you'll, if you want to, you know, get drinks there, I think beers are like four or five dollars. So they're not overly, you know, crazy expensive. And um, there's, you know, wine and all that type of stuff too. And just a lot of fun uh, things for kids as well. But for the city of Austin, oh man, I would say that one pregame type of ritual has been this place called Schultz's Garden. It's, um, I believe it was founded in like in the 1850s or something like that. It's like one of the oldest establishments in Austin, but they have like a beer garden outside that will have a lot of the different college football games prior to um, the start of the Texas game. So that's a place to go before the game. And then if you're just in Austin, I say, you know, everyone loves Sixth Street. You know, that's always an attraction if you want to go to bars. Another place, Rainy Street is really cool. There's a lot of um, old homes that were converted into bars. So you know, I would probably prefer Rainy Street and recommend people go there if they're looking for more of like a party bar scene. Oh, I can tell you uh, a party is going to be going on in Austin <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling. I feel like, I mean, based off of what I've been told, I think people are estimating about 50,000 LSU fans are coming to Austin with maybe like 20,000 going to the game. So it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be a, a large party all weekend long. <laughs> Yeah, it should be an exciting game as game day will be there. Uh, I saw last time that tickets are, are getting crazy in terms of price. But, Taylor, in terms of where you're thinking that this game goes, uh, just give us, like, an intangible for the game and, and who you think wins. You know, I think that I'm probably, if I'm honest, I'm probably still a little jaded just because I've been covering Texas. This is my eighth season. So I've seen a lot of mediocre football in recent years. And I've seen a lot of games where people hype it up and then Texas just absolutely, you know, uh, drops the ball, like figuratively and literally. But, um, you know, I think that with this one, I do feel that things are a little bit better with Texas, but it's really hard to give Texas the advantage against this LSU roster, especially the defense. I mean, my goodness, you go through the defense and there's pretty much NFL players at every single level on that side of the ball. And plus there's a lot of talented players on offense too. I mean, 
how many other D1 schools out there have a player that starts at receiver and starts at cornerback like Jamar um, Chase did? I mean, that's something I was looking through that. I was like, how is that? This is a D1 school and a huge one like LSU. And this kid's this good to start on both sides of the ball. So I do think that from a talent level, I think LSU has probably one of the most talented rosters in all of college football this year. And, you know, I think at the, that they could probably be a, a, a college football playoff contender, you know, with the right coaching and everything, you know, kind of falling in line there. So because of that, I would say that Texas probably does not end with a win. Um, I, I don't imagine this being any sort of blowout. I think that the, you know, I think that there are reasons to believe that Texas should be able to move the ball against LSU's defense, even though the defense is super talented. Um, and then I also have reason to believe that I think LSU's new offense is going to surprise the Texas defense at times and possibly, um, you know, allow them to give up more big plays. So overall, I'd say this be, you know, probably maybe less than a one score game, but I would say LSU is probably going to be the one leaving with the win. Well, Taylor, we appreciate you for coming on and giving us some of your time. If people are looking for more uh, uh, of the Texas side of this matchup, uh, where can we find you not only on social media, but also some of the things you'll be coming out with this week? Um, so on, you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Taylor Estes two, four, seven. And then this week we'll be doing a lot of actually like pre game preview matchups for the upcoming weekend with, um, at 24, seven sports at horns, 24, seven. Also we're, you know, kind of joining forces with our LSE site, um, Jay Dixon and those guys out there, they do a great job. So we're going to have some, um, some group content coming later this week. So you can catch that all at horns, two, four, seven.com to get the Texas side. Taylor, thank you again. Anytime, Charles. Once again, want to thank Taylor for coming on. Make sure y'all give her a follow on Twitter at TaylorEstes247 if you want to get this matchup more from the Texas side as they will be doing uh, some stuff like she talked about later this week, uh, doing a little crossover as well with Shay and the boys at 247. So, uh, you know, interesting things that she said, but I want to go ahead and bring in Josh. Uh, Josh, how are you doing this tonight? I'm doing good, Charles. Well, man, look, we got a top 10 matchup. You know, Taylor was saying, talking about some of the strengths that Texas has. But, you know, the interesting thing is, is yes, Texas is used to facing an up-tempo type of offense that LSU is running, right? But there's only a half of true game film on this LSU offense. And who knows how much they actually showed versus how much they wanted to show, you know, and maybe get Texas to prepare for something. How much of an advantage is this going to be for the Tigers? Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be an advantage. But like you said, Texas has been facing spread spread offenses, you know, for a while now in this conference. So, you know, I think it's something that they'll adjust to, you know, pretty quick. I think where LSU has the advantage, to be honest, though, is is the talent. The LSU's wide receivers, uh, you know, a lot of those guys out there right now are going to, are going to play at the next level. Um, I think Texas is just a couple years away uh, from that. They're not quite – as talented as the Texas of old, um, you know, when I look at the film, that, that really stands out to me. I think they're still a couple years away to really uh, re- replenishing the talent. Yeah, it seems like, you know, Texas still has uh, some room to work on things, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I do think that Texas is getting better. But, you know, an interesting thing to look at, and Coach O was talking about in his press conference today, is Texas blitzes a lot. Do you think yeah. that Texas is going to try to blitz a lot in this, this game? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, look, uh, I did a deep dive into the film. I watched that game twice today with uh, Texas, Louisiana Tech. Um, their defensive coordinator loves to blitz. It's a lot like Aranda. Um, without getting into too much detail, there's a connection between Aranda, um, Coach Orlando, and that, and just kind of the scheme concepts from Utah State. So that uh, he he's going to blitz. He's going to blitz often. Uh, if you watch that game against Louisiana Tech, he came from all over. Um, it didn't matter. He was sent guys. He sent cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers, um, and a lot like Coach. Which Aranda does. You can tell that they kind of came from the same tree. Well, it should be interesting to watch that matchup is, is you know, how much do they blitz? You know, how much do they go back and right. cover? And, and, you know, something that I have yet to see, but Taylor was talking about it, was that they've got a package where they have eight defensive backs so they mm-hmm. can get as much speed on the field as possible. And she said she saw that against Louisiana Tech. That's right. She's expecting to see it this week as well. What kind of defense is that? You know, it's crazy to you know see a couple of down linemen, maybe a linebacker, and then eight defensive backs back there. Yeah, so that that's where if if you listen to to Coach Herman, I'll listen to his press conference today. That's that's where I think you know if you read between the lines, LSU's quarterback have you know a guy that's been in a system for a while now, um, a coach's son, like Coach Herman said. Uh, that's that's where you have to pick and choose your battle, right? Because now, now you're running. You run the RPO system, Charles. So that's where he can he can do a check with me, and and if he sees something like that, he he goes into a draw play, right? Now now you have eight guys on the field for speed, and Clyde hits you right up the gut, and you, you don't have any linebackers. So I think that's where Joe may you know may pay off for us um, in, in this game. And Coach Herman said that uh, on his press conference that, that that worries him just you know how much time he has under center. Um, how long he's been with the team, and just the fact that he grew up in a in a football house. Well, I think that Joe is going to be using that coach's son yeah. mentality to his advantage. You know, you've seen him in that first year where he was at LSU that, you know, some of his bigger plays were audibles, you know, where he had control to do that. I think that you're going to see him, you know, going a couple of audibles in this game. And it was something Coach Joe talked about today was dealing with that environment. You know, Texas is, has a lot of excitement around their program. They're trending in the right direction. So I expect yep. a decent crowd for this game, especially knowing that LSU's allotment of tickets were 3,500. I know, <laughs> I know that there are, you know, a, a lot of fans expected to be there at Austin. I'm not sure how many are actually going to make it into the stadium because those tickets are pretty expensive right now. Right. But having, you know, an environment for this offense for the first time that's on the road, you know, it's a top 10 matchup. Do you think the crowd plays into this at all? Uh, you know, I think it does. Uh, as far as on the Texas side, 3,500 tickets is nothing. So they want to put their, you know, they want to put their program and their team in the best position to win. And I, I completely understand it. Um, just don't expect LSU, you know, they may only give up 2,000, you know, if, if they want to play that game. So, you know, let's, but I think it does play a role in a sense. I'd like to see some of the guys on LSU. This would be a big stage for them. But, you know, let's go back to LSU has is returning eight-plus starters on, on both sides of the ball. Most of these guys have played in big games. They played in the Alabama game. They played in the, the Fiesta Bowl. So I think it, it could play a role early on. But I think if LSU can, can sustain some drives there in the first quarter, kind of uh, take the crowd out of it, uh, I think they'll be okay. Well, looking at Texas on the offensive side of the ball, and I think Sam Ellinger is, is the real deal. You know, not only has he shown that he has an arm that can get the job done, mm-hmm. having 
five touchdowns last year. He also rushed for 15. And, you know, I saw your tweet talking about him getting hit. Mm-hmm. Taylor was saying that, you know, this, this coaching staff is going to have to pass the ball. But, you know, they're also going to have to run with Sam as well, only having one scholarship running back available for the game. You know, I, I am intrigued to see how much they run him. And, and, you know, if they try to get the ball out quicker, as you know that, with one running back, I think LSU's pass rush is going to have its ears pinned back, and they're going to be coming every single snap. No, Charles, I think, you know, when when looking at the situation with their running backs and, uh, you know, just what they want to do with Sam, I think you nailed it. I think the key is going to be the pass rush. If LSU can get up the field and pressure him early, kind of, you know, knock him around, knock him on the ground a few times, I think that's where LSU is going to have the advantage. Uh Knowing the situation with with the running backs, um, you know, Coach Aranda obviously knows that, Coach O, so get pressured on him early and often and, you know, see how he responds. He's a tough kid. You know, look, I'm not going to question that. You know, he's a hard-nosed, tough tough football player, but, you know, we're all human. Let, let you know, keep keep hitting him. And, you know, and if he, he keeps getting up and making plays, well, at the end of the game, you shake his hand and say, you know, hell of a game. But um, I think that's where LSU is going to really put the pressure on Charles is uh, – is taking the uh, taking a pass rush to him. Well, Josh, you see it with recruiting. You see this bigger cornerback is something that you know, Coach uh, Coach Aranda likes. Corey Raymond likes these bigger defensive backs. Texas brings some really tall, speedy receivers to this matchup. Do you think that LSU is kind of slightly at a disadvantage facing you know uh, multiple receivers that are six three and above? Look, I, I looked at the film close today, you know, and, and they have some really big wide receivers. You know, it, it, it stuck out to me, Charles, on, on, on film, you know, um, six, four, six, five guys who are talented, um, you know, and I think that probably will, will pose a little bit of advantage for, uh, for Texas. And it should, you know, that's good athletes. What, what I didn't see, Charles, and where I think, I think LSU has the advantage, I didn't see, I didn't see that game-breaking speed. I didn't see the SEC speed that I thought I was going to see. Uh, you know, they, they got the big body receivers, but I just I didn't see anybody. I was running by somebody that could just, you know, take a take Stingley and stretch him out 50, 60 yards because he's a freshman. Um, so I think that's a positive for LSU. Watch their slot receiver, uh, Devin Duvamay. He, he yep. does have that speed. And, you know, I think – Compared to what we saw last year or last week from LSU's defense, you're not going to have guys in there there that are in there to stop the run. You're going to have guys in there that are, you know, are there in nickel packages, guys that are better covered corners because that's going to be more important. This game is limiting, you know, how many matchups that they have an advantage in in this game, and you know, an advantage LSU will have is that they do have a lot of good cover corners, right. and if their line can play well in this game. You know, they can hold and contain Ellinger. You know, I guess that's the hope at the end of the day. But I do think that it's going to be interesting to see this LSU defense go from playing, you know, a team that I think they had 11 total pass attempts to a team that's probably going to have 35-plus pass Yeah, I mean, it's a completely different concept of offense. But I think it's actually one that LSU fits. I mean, that's the type of defense they built is for this, you know, to, to come play this this type of team and this type of program. So, you know, those guys don't practice for the triple option every year. That's once every five years. So, you know, this is this 
suits LSU a little more. They actually can, you know, let let the like the pass rushers do some work. The guys in the secondary, granted, they're going to see 35 balls thrown their way, but you know that's you know that's that's why you recruit them. You know, let these guys go do what they do. When you look at the special team side of this matchup, who do you see having an advantage in this game? Okay, so special teams. Um, not that I'm, in, uh, you know, a Texas expert on special teams, but if you watch their kicker in this game, he didn't blow me away. He had, you know, he had a missed field goal, you know, extremely wide right. Uh, you know, that's hard to say in special teams. I think where LSU might might have the advantage is in the punt return game. You know, you got a guy like Stingley that we know it. And any minute can take it to the house. Um, and, you know, K. York looked good. You know, he looked real good. Uh, young kicker, but he, he came through. Um, I guess, you know, that, that's a hard one to call, Charles. But, you know, I'll go with LSU on, on that just because those guys have uh, those guys have stingly taken, taken punts. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Stingley can do in, in terms of flipping the field. Yeah. You know, Josh, when you look at this game, you've got two offenses. You look at time of possession and their week one matchup. You know, LSU with their starters in the first half and Texas, you know, when they had Ellinger in, it seemed like, you know, two to three minute drives were consistent, you know, in terms of time off the clock. I mean, could this game turn into a shootout? <clears throat> no, I don't think it will. I think some people brought that up. I just don't see it happening. LSU's defense is too good. LSU's defense is not going to allow us to get into a shootout. There's no way that Sam Ellinger and with his with his offensive ability will can he's not going to throw for 450 yards and five touchdowns against LSU's defense. It's not going to happen. I watched his passing ability. It's 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 capable. It's it's decent, but he ain't blowing nobody away. He misses a lot of throws if you watch closely. Um, that if he throws those balls against LSU, it's going to be picked. So that's, you know, that's the difference. I mean, I just don't see it being a shootout. Well, I, just my know, opinion, Charles. Just my opinion, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think more of my question is in terms of that, though, is I think he has the capability, right? Yeah. He has the ability. I think he has the talent on the outside to do that. Shoot, he has the size advantage. He has one of his starting whiteouts is 6'6", six, six, right? Right. So I, he has advantages there for the passing game, and yes, you're going to pass it a lot. But I, I think the thing to look at is we have time to get the ball out, you know? Right. Yeah, that's what we were talking about a minute ago. Yeah, I think the, the pass rush is going to be key. So I just don't see it. I mean, I mean, maybe you have a different opinion. I just, you know, besides the Texas A&M game last year against LSU, you know, LSU defense, I just, I can't see Ellinger coming in there and throwing the ball over the field. They're just not going to let it happen. They're just, they're too talented in the secondary. You got all Americans, you know, you got two all Americans sitting back there. Yeah, and, you know, not only that, you've got uh, a Texas team coming in with one scholarship running back. Their yep. second-string running back is a converted quarterback, and their third-string yep. running back is a converted linebacker, right? And, and, you know, Taylor was saying she's not going to see them giving more than 15 carries. She said, I don't, I don't expect Keontae Ingram to get 20-plus carries in this game. And, and, Josh, I don't either, you know? No, I mean, I think that ahead. plays into LSU's advantage there. No, no, yeah, Josh. You're, you're right that if you listen to Coach Herman today that you could even when he talked about the situation with the running backs, Charles, he he said he don't think he's ever seen it in, in his time as a coach anywhere that he's coached um, lose five of his guys, you know, for an extended time. He's like, I've never seen this before. So he's having to change guys from different from like you said, from quarterback, got a walk on coming in and you got one scholarship running back. And look, 
LSU, that's an advantage. Let's say he gets hurt, Charles, in the first quarter. What are you going to be? What you going to do? You're going to roll out your quarterback in a walk-on and you know run the ball 30 times? No, you're going to be forced to throw it, or you're going to be forced to run it with Ellinger. So, yeah, I think they got to be careful. If, you know, like letting Ingram carry the ball 20, 25 times. I just, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. I think something to look at too. You know, I do think LSU's defense has an advantage against Texas's offense in this game. I think it's it's evident. It's obvious, right? Yeah. Taylor saw it as well. We see it. I I think the question is, is do we expect LSU's new look offense to be able to travel to Texas? Uh, you know, it, it's going to be – we talk about, yes, you know, LSU probably showed 30 40% of what they have, right? Maybe even 20%, right? right? There's more to be seen. You know, this is a different environment to be running those plays. You can be doing a silent snap count. You can be dealing with the noise. You know, I, I can see this game in, in the beginning, LSU kind of tripping on themselves a couple of times. Yeah, you know, that's the one aspect, Charles. I'm glad you brought that up. That's the one aspect that today when I was looking at everything is that in my mind, I need to see it again. And, you know, we've talked about this, Charles. I need to see this new spread offense again, you know, in that environment, like you said, with, with you know, with the noise factor. I need to see, you know, how they perform. I need to see three or four weeks of it from, from me you know, to jump on that bandwagon and say, okay, you know, I, you know, it's obvious they're going to run it all season, Charles, but to me, for me to be on a bandwagon and say, okay, these guys know how to run it properly. You know, they can move it up and down the field against whoever it is. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's going to be, that's my one concern. You know, and if LSU is tripping over their self a little bit and they can't quite get it together against a, a more quality opponent, this game might be closer than, you know, most LSU fans want to see it. Do you see this a game where LSU may have some success running the ball and they try to, you know, eat clock up and, and run the ball more? It's possible. You, know, you, you, you look at the line, you know, yeah. and, and and LSU's offensive line played well last week, right? It was against Georgia Southern. So take that with a grain of salt. But you're getting your left tackle back. as mm-hmm. uh, Sadiq will be starting this week. And, and LSU's got a staple of running backs. Uh, we know that, right? And they've got guys that can carry the rocket. And LSU knows how to ground and pound. And I'm not saying they're going to line up under center and do a toss dive. No, but I'm <laughs> saying that, you know, I, I could see certain, you know, aspects of this game where LSU has a pass called. Or, you know, they have, you know, an option play for Joe where he can decide if it's going to be a pass or a run through line of scrimmage. And LSU starts to run the ball because I do see LSU having an advantage against Texas while their, you know, defensive line is bigger than Georgia Southern. I do think LSU has an advantage over what Texas will be rolling out there on the defensive line. Yeah, you know, keep an eye on. They started a true freshman at defensive tackle. He was he wasn't highly recruited. Um, Sneed is that. So it's just something to keep in mind. It's you know this will be his second game in college and it's against LSU. You know, so um, he played well in Louisiana Tech. I actually thought he played on the whole defense. He was you know, top two or three guys. So he played very well at the defensive tackle position, but it, it's a whole different beast playing against LSU than uh, it is against Louisiana Tech. So um, that's something, like you said, Charles, if if, if that uh, opportunity is there, and we've seen it in this game, Charles, we've seen how, how, how they ran Clyde. It was still consistent with giving the ball to Clyde and letting him turn out some yards. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the run pass option. So hopefully Joe can put us in those situations. Well, you know, Josh, I think it's going to be an interesting chess match. You know, Tom Herman versus Aranda, they, got, they have a previous relationship. You know, you have the Herman versus O conversation, right? As, you know, mm-hmm. you see that post from Ross Dellinger this week talking about, 
you know, the whole coaching hire where it was down to Herman or it was down to O. Yep. And, you know, Josh, I'm not sure if you read that piece, but everything that was in there was was juicy. <laughs> it was, it I was did. I, yep. Piece, piece. But, yeah, man, wh- wh- what a good piece. You know, I, I even uh, shot Ross a message and said that was a hell of a hell of a, um, an article, man. He did a great job on that. And I got a chance to read most of it. And uh, yeah, that was that was really ju- juicy. And I, I her, and maybe this is just my opinion, Charles, and what yours is, but it didn't seem like Herman left the, you know, the, the best feel with a lot of LSU people. So what was your thought on that? Yeah, you know, I agree with that. You know, I think LSU wanted to, obviously, I think if Texas never came to play, like it said in the article, that mm-hmm. you know, LSU, that Tom Herman would probably be a, um, you know, an, the LSU head coach right now, right? And. Mm-hmm. You know, the crazy thing about that was Texas did get involved, and then LSU wanted to go to the negotiating table without Texas. But, you know, Noah Leva stood strong, which we had to do. We have to give Joe's credit for that, where he said he's not getting into a bidding war whenever mm-hmm. like that was about to happen. That's, that's when he said, you know, yep. screw this. You know, I'm not doing this. And pretty much told Herman's a- agent to fly a kite. Yeah, no, he did not. Yeah. You know, like Joe's not the most popular guy. We know he wasn't a popular guy at LSU, but I respect him for doing that. He stood strong and, you know, O's a coach. And I think O's not going to come out and say it publicly. You know, we know we know what Coach Joe's all about. He's, he has a lot of respect for his, team, uh, you know, his opponents. But, in, you know, deep inside, man, you know, know that when he goes to bed last night with his wife, that he really wants to be Coach Herman in Texas, you know, just to prove that, that he would write higher. You know, you know, that's for human, you know, and he's a competitor. So, yeah, I, I know we'd like it to swim. Well, I know you have done a lot of Texas film. I know you looked into this matchup a lot. What are some other intangibles, some other things that you saw that, you know, could come into play from Saturday? Yeah, so, you know, just, just I got notes in front of me here. Um, I'll, start, I'll start in the secondary that I thought at times their secondary – uh, was probably the weakest part on the team. I know you say, you know, you got two good safeties back, back there, but, but they started two cornerbacks. And at times, they, it's not that they weren't athletic enough and talented enough, Charles. I just think at times, you even heard, I heard Coach Herman mention it, that they weren't lined up properly. They kind of had some blown coverages. So I think that's, that's you know, confusing these guys with a four five receiver uh, spread, making these guys think a little bit uh, on their feet, some of these, these, these new cornerbacks. Is where LSU will be able to, to take advantage a little bit. It doesn't have to be a deep throw. You've seen a lot of these little five and six yard drops that can turn into thirty yard gains. So I think that's an area where I think uh, LSU can take advantage. Um, also, let's see the the linebacking core, Charles. I don't uh, that they have some athletes there. It's almost like the same thing. But those numerous times in, in Louisiana Tech game. At the, at the middle of the field, was wide open. They made a few plays, but at times it was Louisiana Tech, and they just kind of, you know, fell on their face. And there was numerous turnovers as well. So I think a more quality opponent like an LSU might be able to take advantage of the middle of the field a little more uh, with some of those young linebackers. Um, that, you know, that was a couple of the key takeaways I, um, I took watching on their defense. Offensive-wise, um, Texas goes as Sam goes, you know, as it's cut and dry, man, Texas goes as Sam goes. So I think if Ellis, you could hit him early and often, you know, make him think a little more than he wants to. Um, I think that's where they, they can have a real advantage. You know, I thought he was a little faster. I thought he'd be a, a little faster of a guy. He's kind of got that Tebow S to him. You know, he, he's a good runner. He, he thinks well on his feet. 
Um, but, you know, he doesn't – a couple of times, Louisiana Tech's linebackers ran him down pretty easy. I hit him pretty hard. Um, I was surprised to see that. Um, so, you know, LSU's got speed there at linebacker. And, but, you know, Texas goes as Sam goes. So if LSU can get to him, man, I think, you know, pretty early in the game, that would, that would uh, that'd be a real good idea uh, for LSU. Yeah, you know, Coach O said that he reminds him of Tebow, but he has a better arm. You he know. definitely has a better arm, no doubt. Look, you know, he, he can spin it. He actually, you know, I was I was said he was a C C minus quarterback man going into this film. I left out of there as a he's a C plus, a B minus. He can spin the ball a little bit, you know what I mean? I think it's accuracy at times is is what gets him. Yeah, but I agree with you there. The they, they go as far as Sam goes, you know. You know, because pretty mm-hmm. much it, when you look at a matchup where you have one running back that, you know, yes, you know, Keontae averaged 7.1 yards per carry against Tech, and, you know, 11 carries, 78 yards with a touchdown. You're missing a lot of talent there that they did have coming into the season. I, I can guarantee you this, that you look at, you ask anyone on the you know, staff for Texas, if they are comfortable with the running back situation, I don't think any of them, any of them say yes, you know? Yeah. I mean, they definitely yeah. wanted to have more than one scholarship running back going into this game. No, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, if you listen to Coach Herman, it was obvious. He was almost getting choked up a little bit, it seemed like. You know, it, it's. I don't think he wanted all them guys to get – obviously don't want them to get hurt. I think he was, he was, he was getting a little uh, – emotional when it was talking about it you can tell that it's it's definitely affected the team and so it's it's that's going to be a it's going to be a tough situation as far as as far as that position goes well you know at the end of the day it is a six versus nine matchup but it is two top 10 teams i think you know lsu does have a potential to show the world its offense because you see you know i i look at a guy like herb street who is respected throughout college football and yeah. you know lsu is not mentioned by him is one of his best performers performers this weekend. And like you and I said, we both came away from this weekend saying LSU is probably one of the best uh, SEC teams in terms of performances this past weekend. Uh, I, I think I heard Rohan Davies say it today that, you know, LSU looked like they had been playing for weeks, not like a week one team. Whereas you look at Texas and, and they look like a week one team. And, and I think that's another advantage LSU can have. But you know, Josh, something I want to ask you about is LSU. In that first week, you know, Michael Divinity wasn't there, right? Yeah. Damone Clark is a guy that Coach O had been talking about the whole week. And, you know, after he says, you know, Damone is a guy that he gets, you know, percentage reports of what guys did and how they were that day. And he said day after day, Damone Clark was always 100%. And so my question is, is Josh, do I keep Damone in as a starting oh, line? Oh, boy. I knew you were going to put me on a spot you had to do that didn't you <laughs> or did they did put you... divinity because josh if you ask me i, I think they put divinity in the middle you know yeah he's been all, all camp you know that's i don't know um today i tweeted that out you know and that's just going through watching the lsu game now for three times charles damone clark can play i mean he's a player <laughs> so and his length and his speed um he can play so that's a tough spot to be in. And obviously coach O loves him, you know, cause I mean, every time he gets up there in front of the mic, that's all he wants to talk about. So man, with divinity coming back, I made the comment today, Charles, that, you know, is there a chance that they move him back to the edge and, you know, let, let him, you know, go back to more of his natural spot where he, he's been at LSU. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm kind of like you, Charles, as much as I think Clark is, I, 
I don't know how they go about moving him this late in camp. Unless you look, unless Clark is just that good, you know, if he's a Devin White all over again, it's hard to take him off the field if he's that good, you know. So I understand if they would move Mike back to the edge, um, you know, just say so don't they can't pull Clark off the field. Sometimes guys are just that good, uh, and you know I, I would understand it if they made that call. Yeah, look, I agree that he's good. I mean, everything from practice sounds like he's the player that they wanted. But, you know, I think some of that is experience, too. And, and it is. has been playing. And, and yeah, it is. And a guy in the middle that can read the offense and know it's coming. And anticipation is key. And, you know, whenever you're playing a, a triple option attack, you know, you have to stick to your assignments. And the way the defensive line played, which leads to another guy I want to talk about, Josh, it, it creates a lot easier – uh, day for linebackers and I think some of that is is why Damone Clark had such a good game but there are also plays where man he's explosive he's athletic and he's technical you know he's just yeah. sound so I, I do think he's talented you know I do think that he's going to be one of the next great linebackers at LSU but you know for this Texas game I, I see Michael Divinity back in the middle but I do see some type of rotation oh, yeah. I think Michael Divinity stays in the middle for the whole game you know yeah, I think you make a good point. And uh, when you said that when you're playing a triple option attack, he kind of knows what's coming and he can play, you know, with a head of steam um, all game playing downhill. Texas is a, a different beast, Charles. And, you know, that's a good point you made that now he's going to have to cover some space. He's going to have to cover some tight ends, cover some guys, you know, coming across the middle. So, you know, when, when, when you think of that aspect, you know, having Mike there, who's just, you know, a senior guy who's seen a lot of a lot of defense, I mean, a lot of offenses over the years. So, um, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if they go with Mike for the game. Well, the reason why it was easy for the linebackers was that starting defensive line. I know we talked about that in our, our recap, but, you know, there was a question asked about Glenn Logan today. And, you know, they I think it might have been Moscona who asked about him. But, you know, Logan's first start, he started ahead of Fajoko, which some people were surprised. But then Coach O said how, he, how well he played. And he said he was the only guy at camp for the defensive line, and not only the defensive line, but the offensive line that didn't miss a rep all of camp. And, and look, Josh, I think this could be a coming out season in a way for Glenn Logan. Yeah, I think it just gives LSU another guy there that we need. Charles, we've been hurting for depth at that position. So if you got a little bit of rotation there with Logan and Fajoko, you know you know how it is when as the season gets further along, we're, we're going to need every one of those guys. People are going to get nicked up and dinged up in these bigger games, you know. So, yeah, I mean. And they're, they're rotating the entire defensive line. Yes. I mean, yes. Think, think about this. What, what was huge for LSU – and the years where they won national championships in 03, 07, shoot, even when they went in 2011, was depth along the defensive oh, line. You have yep. to be able to rotate in games where, look, it's going to be 102 for the high on Saturday. It's going to be hot. Yes, this is a night game, but the sun doesn't set until an hour after kickoff, and it's still going to be muggy. It's still going to be, you know, it's going to be taking a lot out of these bigger guys. So expect a lot of rotation on yep. Saturday. No, you're you're absolutely right. I lived in Texas for a year. Uh, you know, it gets hot. It gets hot in Texas this time of year. Um, and yeah, it's definitely going to be they're going to need rotation. So you know, I had a Texas a Texas fan today comment about something I posted, and he said, "You posted some film against the number twos for Texas. You know, I mean, that's not who they're going to be playing against. You know." And he had, later on had to apologize a little bit. And said, "You know what? You're right." 
I said, last time I checked, the number twos play quite often, especially when I hurry up offense and they're going to get winded in that heat. You know what I mean? So I think the number twos sometimes are just as important as a number one in these type of games, you know? Well, Josh, let's go ahead and get into some questions. We had some guys send out some questions uh, tonight. Just kind of on this matchup, uh, first question we have is asking about the team rushing average. You know, LSU averaged 3.7 in that first game. They're asking if we should be concerned about that. Josh, I don't really see that as being a concern. No, look, people have to understand what type of offense we're running. You, you know, we uh, you got to understand that that short passing game, Charles, me and you have spoke about this, is sometimes, you know, it's an extension of the running game. When you see those short passes that Clyde and stuff, yeah, it goes down as a passing stat, but it's almost like a run, you know what I mean? The Saints do it to perfection with Kamara and, and the guys. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not concerned at all. And I think, I think some of that, too, is just getting reps and getting used to these guys playing together. So, I, I don't, you know, that's, that will improve, Charles. I don't, I don't have a problem uh, w- with that at all. I I, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I, I think that you look with that first offense, first-team offensive line, and you did have some good production from the running backs. You know, I, I think that as the system moves, you're going to see that teams are going to have to spread out more. Uh, and you're just going to be able to check down, you know, either do a swing pass to a running back or a simple handoff where, uh, you know, even a counter or something like that or a screen is really going to get the running back's production. Uh, no, you know, LSU may not have a six, seven yard per carry average, but that's OK whenever you're running screens and swing passes that are averaging, you know, eight to 12 to 15 yards per play you know? yeah, yeah you no know, exactly that's exactly what i was the point i was making that you know don't look too much into that you know at the end of the day look at the total yards total yards that the, that the running backs have alvin kamara might have 65 yards rushing but he's got 132 yards receiving you know what i mean so you know you gotta kind of kind of take a look at that as a whole well josh next question is what uh what is the most important matchup lsu's front seven versus texas's offensive scheme or LSU's new spread offense versus Texas's secondary. Josh, I'm going to say this now. I think the most important matchup for this game and way LSU can shut them down is LSU's defensive backfield against Texas's receivers. Okay. So you think that's that's pretty much the key, huh? LSU can shut them down? I think they shut down those receivers. And you can't do that entirely, right? Right. You know, that's not, you know, something that's going to be possible. I mean, shoot, Tom Herman was saying that. I think some of that was a little deep, you know, him being a little defensive. But right. Because Tech had some success moving the ball. But I think LSU's going to have success moving the ball with this new offensive scheme. Shoot, to be honest, I think they would have success with the old scheme as well. But if LSU can stop Tom Herman's offense and the DBs can play lockdown coverage mm-hmm. and force three and outs, I think that's going to hurt Texas's defense even more. And it's going to hurt, you know, it's going to take the crowd out of the game pretty quickly. No, I mean, I, you know, that, that, that's a good one to go with. And I, I don't disagree. Uh, I think the matchup to me that's most important, and we've, we've touched on it a few times here, is uh, uh, Texas's offensive line against our guys coming off the edge. I think uh, LSU putting pressure on the quarterback early um, and often and getting a few hits on him trying to get him rattled. Um, he, you know, Tom Herman said it. They've never played against a defense like this since since he's been here. So, you know, every – he said LSU has guys going to play in the league at every single position. Uh, so I think you use some of that NFL talent uh, 
And I want to see that matchup. There's some there's some weak spots on Texas's offensive line. If you watch that film closely, um, there's at times that Tech was getting some good pressure on him. Not necessarily getting a sack, Charles, but they were hitting him and just getting in his face. And, you know, that's that's a half second quicker with LSU, LSU guys, you know. Well, another question is, is how will the turf play a role? Josh, you know, Coach O kind of talked about that today with how they'll be practicing on turf, they'll be practicing mm-hmm. grass, but there are multiple stadiums in the SEC that have turf, so I don't really think that plays much of a role in this game. Uh, honestly, I think if it, if it's an advantage for anybody, I, guys just seem a little quicker on turf to me, and L, it just seems like LSU could use their speed a little more. Kind of, you know, When you see the Saints on that turf compared to seeing them on a grass field, Everything just seemed a little more crisp. Everything just seemed a little more cleaner. So, you know, I don't think it's going to play that big of a role at all. But, you know, um, you, you know maybe in the speed sense, it can help LSU a little. Next question is asking about Emory's role, not, you know, specific to this game, but overall as the season progresses. Uh, John, uh, I think um, – sorry. <laughs> I, I think that John has – you know, the potential to be the number one guy. I, I think there will be a rotation, Josh. But, you know, I think that John Emery is a stud. <laughs> and I think we're going to see that more and more as the season goes on. Yeah, it's just, you know, you're you're right. I mean, he didn't show anything to me in that first game that he's not going to be a talented uh, a talented running back in the SEC. Um, and I like, you know, Charles, like we said, we got to give it, give it a little time. You know, you remember, he's a true freshman. These guys have to get, you know, speed of the game, still learn the playbook and all that type stuff. Uh, I think when we look back seven, eight games from now, you know, that uh, I think Emory's right up there with Clyde as far as carry goes. Uh, you know, a name we didn't mention, Charles, was Chris Curry. He didn't. He only took a couple of carries, but he had one real nice carry. You know, we forget that, you know, I think he could be a quality running back for LSU, too, as, as the season moves along. Yeah, I could definitely see him being a goal line type of guy yep. or high Davis as well. I, I think that LSU, you know, LSU has two running backs that are in a way similar with Ty Davis and, and Chris Curry. Mm. And, you know, with maybe Ty being a little bit more, uh, you know, ability wise, it's better. But Chris Curry having some of that experience, John is almost a combination of those guys, and then Clyde as well. So you know that that's why I think our expectations for John are so high, um, John. Next question is asking, not really asking or saying that we need to give this, but an over/under on LSU gaining 300 yards passing and 100 yards rushing. Josh, I think that's pretty attainable. Yeah, I, I think LSU would. Uh, you know, I think Joe and and Brady, Brady and them guys would would think that's attainable for sure. I think LSU's got to do that almost if they want to uh, if they want to win this game. It's got to be you know it's got to be pretty close. Last question we have is, who are the potential recruits we are fighting for with Texas? I'm not sure if you know this off the top of your head, Josh. And then kind of asking, how important is winning this game to swinging their commitment our way? Uh, I mean, as far as, uh, you know, specific names, um, nothing pops on my head, you know, right at the moment. But we do have a couple commits, you know, from guys in, in, in Texas. And I think it's just something – and if you look at LSU, they like to they, – they play a lot of teams in Texas because – and to me, they do that on purpose because, look, they get a lot of talent out of Texas. You know what I mean? Every year it seems like we're pulling, what, Jaws, three to five guys that are top players in, in the state year in and year out. You mm-hmm. got 
Alex Bryant uh, committed from Texas. Um, you know, when Jamal Adams came for a Clavion chase on, you know, I mean, the name just go on and on and on. So I think it, as far as that aspect goes, it's big for recruiting. And it has been for a while because LSU's, you know, besides Texas A&M, they're that, they're that other school, that SEC school that's right there, closest for a lot of for traveling wise and, you know, people come see their kids play. So um, as, as far as recruiting goes, this, this is a, a big game uh, from that aspect. Yeah, I think it's huge in terms yep. of battling with Texas. But, Josh, mm-hmm. I think it's big in the whole landscape, you know, in the whole picture uh, of recruiting because it's college game day. It's the ABC game, which I can't remember the last time LSU played on ABC. And, you know, it might have been um, – shoot, it might have been when we played Oregon in, at that uh, kickoff game uh, a couple years back or like 2011. Shoot, that might have been the last time we were on ABC. LSU doesn't play on ABC a lot. Yes, they play on ESPN, but, you know, you got Kirk Herbstreet and you have Chris Fowler doing the game. Yep. Uh, this is a big game in terms of notoriety throughout the country. So that's that, That's where I think it really impacts recruiting. And we just got one more, Josh, that just came in asking mm-hmm. about, would you consider Texas' stadium noise to be on par with other SEC stadiums? Um, I think it depends on the SEC stadium, right? Because there are certain SEC stadiums, yes, they've got fans, but they're not loud. You right. know, Death Valley is different, but at the same time, I could say that Penn State is is right up there with LSU in terms of being loud. You know, so are they on par? Yes. I mean, they've got the amount of fans. Do you think noise is going to come into play, Josh? I think we both agree that noise can become a factor in this game. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. You know, as, as far as the amount of fans, uh, I don't know the exact number that the stadium holds, but it's Texas, and I know it holds a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I think, the you know, absolutely the crowd and the fans – can come into play uh, uh, in this situation, especially if Texas, you know, let's say LSU comes out, has a fumble, you know, throws an interception early, it lets that crowd really, really get into it. You know, Texas knows how to Texas knows how to support their team. They've had a lot of a lot of winning seasons over the years, so uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be important for LSU to take the crowd out early. Yeah, they hold a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand. Yeah, so, so I mean, hundred. Hundred thousand anywhere, you know, it's it's going to be pretty loud. Yeah, I, I do think that it's going to be a loud environment. Josh, looking at this game, kind of just mm-hmm. give a prediction. How do you think this game ends up going? Uh, and just think, I, I think we broke it down enough to know kind of where you're feeling. But give us your prediction. Yeah, you know, overall prediction: LSU thirty-one. Uh, Texas 14 is kind of where I'm leaning. I said it the other day. I thought LSU, you know, by two touchdowns. The more I, I looked into it, you know, the more I did my, you know, my homework, my research. I just, you know, it, not that Texas Texas can win this game. They come do what they have to do and, you know, play, you know, play a good quality game. They're at home. Absolutely. You know, I'm not saying Texas can't win this game because absolutely they can if LSU doesn't come, you know, handle business. Um it's just watching the film, Charles, it just seems like they don't quite have those that NFL-level talent yet up to par with LSU. I will say this. I think they're two years away from being back to the old Texas. Herman is getting them there. They're slowly getting there. He's doing a good job with this program. Uh, I just think they're not quite there yet. Uh, but, you know, they're getting close. And having a quarterback like Sam, you know, who can put the team on his back, and that, that helps. I think the running back situation is going to really hurt Texas in this. It's tough, tough, tough to beat a, guy, a team like LSU with one scholarship running back. So I got a 31, what did I say, a 31-14 LSU. 
Yeah, I think that uh, Texas has a little bit more success moving the ball. I do think they can put some points up. But, Josh, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, LSU is victorious in this one. And, you know, you could see a, a, an opposite situation next year when Texas comes in. You know, this could be LSU's coming out party this year. Next year, mm-hmm. Texas is coming out party next year as they return a lot. And they'll have more than one scholarship running back for the match. Right. I'm looking at LSU um, winning this game, you know, 41 to uh, to score like 28 or 25. Uh, I, I think that Texas has, you know, the ability to move the ball. Um, but I think LSU, if they can come out swinging in the beginning, they can mm-hmm. fast like they did against Georgia Southern. I think that, you know, Texas can get limited in terms of how much they score. But uh, time of possession, Josh, is going to be something that I will find very interesting to watch uh, and review when we do our game breakdown next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially since LSU is running more of that high tempo. Coach Herman brought that up that he said he said uh, this game may just played against Louisiana Tech. Um, that's what they run more of an up tempo. But he said, watching the film on LSU, they run even quicker offense. So he, you know, you can even he was confused by it. He's like, this is LSU we're talking about. So he said, I got to go back and read, uh, watch some more films. So, but uh, yeah, time possession is going to be important. Uh, is you know, especially if LSU can get some quick scoring drives. That you know, it, it always helps. Well, Josh, one more note before we get out of here uh, on that recruiting too. I'm not sure if you saw this, but Texas is. Uh, has stopped giving out passes for recruits this week. They're they're full. So this game's going to have a lot of eyes from a lot of talented guys this weekend. Oh, yeah. No, look, at while you were talking about that, I was just looking at looking at the guys that we got committed for the 2020 class from Texas. You know, you got Josh White, the, you know, number 24th ranked player in the state. Uh, you know, Lorando Johnson, number 35. Alex Bryant, you know, number 40. So, this is big, Charles. This would be big, just like you said, you know, in, in the scheme of things in a big landscape of, of, of recruiting. Uh, this would be a nice, nice win for LSU um, because, you know, you know, in recruiting, it's it's back and forth. It's it's always a, a title fight between some of these uh, these bigger, bigger recruits. Well, Josh, it should be an exciting weekend in Austin, as I know a lot of LSU faithful are heading out. Make sure you all check out what Taylor said in terms of uh, places to go and check out if you're going to the game this weekend. And also make sure y'all follow her on Twitter. Make sure y'all follow Josh Moon on Twitter as well at Truth, and follow the Primetime Podcast at Primetime underscore pod. But for Charles, uh, for Josh Lemoyne and for Taylor Estes, my name is Charles Reese, your host. Y'all have a great week. Enjoy some football. And as always, God bless. Ooh.